Welcome to Annunciation with Father David. Father David is the priest at Annunciation Greek Orthodox Church in Decatur, Illinois, where every week people are connected to the ancient wisdom of Orthodox Christianity. Here is Father David. Christ is in our midst. Good morning. In our study of the Divine Liturgy, we're nearing the end. We've come to all of the prayers that happen after communion. And the prayer that I want to focus on today is one that normally the people don't get to hear because the people are busy singing, uh, Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth into the ages. And while that is going on, the priest goes to the persistes, the place where the gifts are prepared. And he stands in front of the gifts of the body and the blood of Christ, and he says, Christ our God, you are the fulfillment of the law and of the prophets. You have fulfilled the Father's entire plan of salvation. Fill our hearts with joy and gladness, always, now, and ever, into the ages of ages. Now, that might seem to be a very strange thing to say, that Christ has fulfilled the Father's entire plan of salvation, especially when we look out there at the world and see all of the anger and vitriol and tragedy and disease and death, that how is it possible that the Father's entire plan of salvation is fulfilled when we see all of this suffering and death? around us. And I'm going to try to explain that in a roundabout way this morning, because today we are celebrating the apotheosis or the leave-taking of Theophany, and tomorrow the United States remembers Martin Luther King Jr. And I'd like to talk about these two things in context of each other, and that will lead us to begin to understand how it is possible for the church to be able to say that the Father's entire plan of salvation has been fulfilled. One of the things that I want everybody to look at tomorrow, with all of the news coverage, with all of the various celebrations, speeches, and things that are going to happen tomorrow, I want you to count on your fingers how many times Martin Luther King Jr. is called a Christian. My guess is that it's not going to happen. I also want you to look for how many times we hear that the message that Martin Luther King Jr. preached, mainly that his great hope for the United States is that his children will be judged by the content of their character rather than by the color of their skin, how many times that is mentioned and how many times that it is sourced to the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, my guess is zero. Because if I am honest, I truly believe that if Martin Luther King Jr. were alive today, he would be truly upset about how his legacy has been taken care of. Because his message, his Christian message, has been hijacked by people who want to make race more important than Christ. 
because Martin Luther King fundamentally understands the message of the gospel and the message from today's epistle reading and from today's gospel reading. Grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift, not according to the measure of man, not according to our standards, not according to race or ethnicity or gender or sexual preference or whatever division that you want to make in the race of humankind. In his gifts were that some should be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, that we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Notice that Paul does not say that some are black, some are white, some are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are men, some are women. All of the things that we are prepared for are actions, are things that people do, not what we are. And the only factor that matters in what we are is the fact that we are a human being. If we look at what is said today in the gospel, Matthew reminds us that when Christ moved to Capernaum in the territory of Zebulon and Naphtali, he fulfilled a prophecy. This is from Isaiah chapter 9. The land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali toward the sea across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region in the shadow of death, light has dawned. He's gone into a place of the Gentiles, of the non-Jew, and a light has dawned for them. In other words, the purpose of Christ is not to separate people out by whatever category that we have decided is important. But just as the sun shines on every piece of creation, whether directly or indirectly, because when the sun shines on plant life, that sunshine is converted into energy, and that energy is then taken everywhere in earth, including to the depths of the earth, through bacteria and through other forms of life that are found everywhere. And that earth churns up and down, up and down. Light shines on every piece of creation. God's glory and His mercy and His love shines down on every human being that has ever existed, exists, or will exist. Because that's the nature of light. And so therefore, Martin Luther King understood that what was important wasn't the color of someone's skin. What was important was the content of their character. What did they do? And his great hope was that everyone would be able to see the fact that we are all created according to the image and likeness of God, and that God became a human being in order to restore that image to perfection through himself. And that image and likeness has no space to judge someone based on their skin color or their ethnicity or their gender or their sexual preference or whatever is fashionable today in an attempt to divide out human people into various groups that we can exploit and can be 
prejudicial and biased against. I want to go now to chapter 9 of Isaiah and read the rest of what is prophesied here. O country of Zebulon, the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, and the rest dwelling along the seacoast in the parts of Judea, and the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, a people who walk in darkness, behold a great light, and you who dwell in the country of the shadow of death, it's all of us, all of us live in the shadow of death because we will all experience death, upon you a light will shine, Christ our King and Lord. The multitude of the people whom you brought down in your joy, they shall also rejoice in your presence, all peoples, as those who rejoice in harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoils for the yoke lying upon them and the rod upon their necks is taken away. Sin and death have been defeated. For the Lord broke the rod of the extractors as in the day of Midian. For every robe and garment gathered by deceit, they shall repay with money, and they shall be willing to do this even though they were burned with fire. For unto us a child is born. God himself became incarnate in the person of Jesus Christ. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. He is our king. His name will be called upon the angel of great counsel, for I shall bring peace upon the rulers, peace and health by him. And of course, this peace is the same peace that we hear about in the liturgy over and over and over again. Peace be unto you. Not the peace according to treaties, according to earthly governments, according to what the world sees as peace, the ceasing of war, but rather the peace that exists between God and man, that that which divides us, the great dividing wall, sin and death have been defeated, and therefore there is peace between God and his creation. Now notice that this prophecy has been fulfilled. Christ became incarnate. He went to the cross. He defeated sin and death. And that this prophecy was planned from the very beginning. This whole program of Christ becoming a human being was there from the moment that Adam and Eve ate of the fruit. In Genesis 3.16, we have the Proto-Evangelion, the first good news when God is telling Adam and Eve and the serpent the consequences of their actions. And God says that the child of the woman shall crush the head of the serpent with its heel, or her heel, or his heel, depending upon the language that you are reading it in. And all three are correct. Her, referring to the Theotokos, it, referring to humanity in general, and him to Christ himself. So the incarnation of Christ, the child of the woman, was prophesied from the very beginning. And at this moment in time, we have entered into the kingdom of heaven. Sin has been removed. We have partaken of the body and blood of Christ. God is with us. God is in us. Sin has been defeated. We have set our foot on the path towards everlasting life in the glory of God himself. And so in this moment, this singular moment here, now, Christ our God, you are the fulfillment of the law and of the prophets. That which was written in the Old Testament has been fulfilled. 
You have fulfilled the Father's entire plan of salvation. God's entire plan of salvation was to allow his creation to return to his heavenly kingdom and to share in his, his eternal life, his eternal kingdom. His entire plan was for us to be able to fulfill that image and likeness through our own choice and our own power to be able to, with his help, step by step, become more and more like him. And we accomplish that here. So fill us and our hearts with joy and gladness, always, now and forever, into the ages of ages. And thus we see a great contrast between what the world has done to the memory of Martin Luther King Jr. and what happens here in the church and what Martin Luther King hoped for his country. On the one hand, we have race and the divisions that that creates. And on the other, we have the hope that through the incarnation of Christ, that we, cooperating with God, might see the fulfillment of God's great plan for each of us. For us, through our actions, through our faith, through His love, to become like Him. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever, to the ages.